looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter. LeBron James, a shot in history. Getting that in the mail back in the days when it was a big deal. Every Thursday, the Sports Illustrated yeah, would show was. up. Right. Sometimes Friday. I was disappointed if it was Friday. Pro football's dirtiest player, Conrad Doble, he reveled in it. When I wrote up our short little blurb yesterday about the passing of Conrad Doble at the age of 72, it's like, man, you know, the guy the guy just died. I don't want to mention that he was regarded as the NFL's dirtiest player. And then I, I read that article from Paul Zimmerman. It's like, well, he kind of likes it. Kind of yeah. liked it. Right. He reveled in it. Would you just keep an eye out for this woman? She's about, I don't know, yay high, and uh, she doesn't swing her arms when she walks. Like this. <laughs> what the hell is that? Are you making fun of my dancing? Aren't you Raquel Welch? You know who I am. Now, what are you doing? Uh, n nothing. I just wasn't moving my arms. <laughs> That's it. You're going down. Catch fight. These guys are sports lunatics. This is the Sports Lunatics Show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports Lunatics Show. Who are the Sports Lunatics? Well, we're just a couple of regular guys who love sports and sports history. I'm Howie Mooney. And I'm here in Barrie, Ontario. And I'm Sean Levine in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hey, Shawnee. How are you, Howie? I'm good. Don't forget, folks, that we are brought to you by our good friends at the Fired Up Network. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and 212 different platforms in total, wherever you find your podcasts, including Alexa. If you ask Alexa to play the Sports Lunatics, Alexa will play the Sports Lunatics. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like us, please tell your friends and family about us as well. You can find us on Facebook, too. The Sports Lunatics Radio Show page is an interactive page for you, the listeners. There's always a lot going on in there. Shawnee's in there all the time. So many members are posting things as well. That page has taken on a life of its own. Shawnee, we've uh, we've had a few things, a few different things happen over the past little bit. Uh, we have seen a new NBA points leader in terms of career. We have lost a few uh, famous people as well. And we're going to get to all of that, aren't we? We certainly are. We'll start with uh, LeBron James becoming the king. Yeah, of, the real, yeah, the real king. The real king of the NBA uh, scoring uh, all-time list, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which was expected uh, yes. this season. But you know, it it was nice to see Kareem there. Yes, in Los Angeles for when it happened. I was happy for LeBron James because. I'll be honest, he's one of the most polarizing athletes who, for some reason, doesn't get the true credit he deserves. I, I agree with you. And I just thought the whole night was great. You know, the fact that people, you know, of a younger generation, we talk about this all the time in the show, 
sort of got to appreciate and and learn the history behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And, you know, he sort of gets lost in the conversation of greatest of all time. And this was the one record that he had that a lot of people thought may never be broken again. If Michael Jordan didn't beat this record, then a lot of people thought it wouldn't ever get broken. Uh, but LeBron James, who to me just amazes me every season, year in, year out, um, the older he gets, he's just as productive as he was, maybe even more productive. And we're seeing this more and more with Tom Brady and and what have you of all the older athletes. But uh, it was a great night. It was a really great night to watch. And I thought uh, it was just, it was really special to have Kareem there. What uh, What struck me watching it as it was happening was the fact that it looked at the beginning like Kareem was kind kind of standing there and nobody was acknowledging him after after uh, LeBron had made that shot but then i realized after it all kind of went down that it was all part of the whole choreographed plan that he was going to bring the ball over to him and and present it right. to him yeah no it was cool it was a cool moment for the nba i think it was i think it was a great you know i think it, I, we always talk about the passing of the torch mm. uh and the fact that you know because there was speculation cream you know, it's not really in the public eye as much now as is what he used to be. Um, you know, there was talk that he might not come to the games, but but then when he announced that he was, there seemed to be a bit of a buzz. And I will say, it was a bit of a letdown. Like I thought, you know, I I know what happened during Super Bowl week, and it was you know overshadowed on the national scene a little bit, but it just. You know, there was a lot of debates on on a lot of these media shows, uh, sports uh, talk. You know uh, about ho hum. You know he's yeah. passing the. You know we expected him to do it, sort of thing, but like it was a really special moment, I think, uh, for LeBron, and just the fact how he's done it. Yeah, and also just, you know, I think we take for granted just how great he is, and and I don't. Th- I don't think we put him on – well, a lot of people are saying we really don't acknowledge him as the greatest because there's always that debate between Michael Jordan, who, by the way, just turned 60. Yes. Um, you know, and LeBron about who's the greatest. You know, you can, I still say Kareem's got to be in that mix. But I agree. But nobody talks about Kareem. I agree. And you and I have had the, the, uh, the fortune to be able to see LeBron play live and uh you know when we were in detroit yeah uh, and to me what surprised me or what amazed me i guess about lebron is that for a big man and he's a huge man he's able to move so easily through people and and around people and it, it's it's almost with a grace that he that he moves and it, that he plays with and you're right when people don't give him the credit for being uh you know one of the all-time greats that he deserves to be there. And he's, he's maintained that high level from the time that he broke into the league 20 years ago uh, to, I mean, his, he's obviously getting older and he's obviously fallen off a little bit, but I mean, he's still great. He's still amazing. Well, the question is how much more does he have to do to prove it? Exactly. And the thing too, is that he's going to put up another couple of thousand points for sure. He'll be at 40, 41, 42 by the time he quits. And 
people never thought that anyone would reach 38, whatever the number was that, uh, that Kareem had put up. Who's going to reach 42? Yeah. Now a lot of people will say the game is a lot different now because of the three point. Yes. You know, whereas in Kareem's era, it was really, you know, it was sometimes, uh, the tough was, you know, the battle of survival, uh, with a lot of these teams and the way it was, a, you know, they were, they were very physical teams in that era for, for Kareem plus the center position, you know, it's totally treated differently it now is, it is, you're right. than what it was then. And honestly, a lot of people don't even think about the center position anymore because it's not really a center position anymore. If so, anyone, if anyone doubts the physicality of the, of the game back then, just Google Celtics Pistons. Well, yeah, Larry exactly. Bird and uh, any any of those teams, Celtics Sixers, even yes. like the rivalry and and you know even the Lakers, you know when their rivalries with the Rockets and what have you, like you know there were some big imposing individuals on both sides oh, yeah. and aggressive. You know, moving forward, I would hope that this sort of puts to bed that I think LeBron is king. Uh, I know a lot of people who are Michael fans will never oh, I know. give him that credit, and that's fine, honestly. You know, it's nothing to really lose sleep over. I, I was just – we we have been so lucky to see – we've seen Tiger. We've seen, you know, LeBron. We saw Gretzky. Mm. Like, we've been blessed to see some amazing athletes – so, you know, I, I, I was very happy. I thought the night was great. I thought well, it was a really cool evening in Los Angeles. You never know how things are going to go. You never know if he's going to be able to get 38 or 37 or 38 points, whatever he needed to get on that night. And I think it was Magic Johnson that said to him the day of the game, get it tonight, because if you put it off, if it hangs out there, it's going to get lost in the Super Bowl hoopla. And it's, uh, you know, do it tonight. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that LeBron had the intention of doing it that night. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will say this. It was against what Oklahoma yes. city yes. where it could have been against Milwaukee, which was Kareem's original team. Yes. And Giannis. And like, there would have been a good backstory on that, all of that as well. Yeah. But, but uh, no, it played out great. It was exciting. OKC is not necessarily known for their defense either. Yeah, but no, the guy, look, Ken, Kenridge Williams, Kenridge Williams, with, who was whose job was to kind of keep LeBron down as much as he could, did everything he could that night. He didn't play poorly. It was inevitable. He was going to get the record. It was just a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And it worked out great. It was a great night. And uh, I think it was good for uh, LeBron. And I think it was great for the NBA. What did you think of the speech after? A uh, little, little, little salty, <laughs> little salty, but he, you know, he thanked, and it was funny, like, this is where our lives have become, where it's all about prop bets and, and oh. who's he going to, who's he going to save first and who's he going to credit and where's like, it, it was getting a little stupid. I'll be honest, listening to all the talk about it. Yeah. Just enjoy the moment. Yeah. Like, like that's. I found that too with the Super Bowl as, you know, yeah. Was it the ending everybody wanted? No, but enjoy it. It was one of the great games. It was. Uh, and, and the thing is that I don't, I don't know if you, you can disagree or agree with me, whichever you prefer. But to me, the, the game wasn't decided on that holding penalty. No. The game, the game was decided on the, the Eagles defense in the second half playing a mediocre game, as opposed to uh, the way that they had played all year. 
when they were only up by 10 at halftime, I was thinking, as a lot of people were, you're giving, you're only down, like, it's Kansas City. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, they did Kansas City things in the second half. And yep. Andy Reid, to me, is one of the great coaches of all time. The Patrick Mahomes debate, whatever, you know. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people think now he should be, you know, top 10 all time, two Super Bowls, been to a third. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. But uh, I thought it was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I wasn't a fan of either one of those teams. That's the thing. But I I thought it was a really fun game to watch. Yeah. Was it the ending we all wanted? No, but it was a really good football game. I thought it was great. It was. And, and, uh, to me, though, going into that game between Patrick Mahomes and and uh, Jalen Hurts, I felt it was more important for Mahomes to win than it was for Jalen Hurts. Yes. If that, if that Philadelphia team stays together for a few years, the NFC is doesn't have the depth that the AFC has, and, and it'll be a lot easier for Philadelphia if they can stay together to get to more Super Bowls uh, than it will be for Kansas City. Well, the problem with right now is they have 13 free agents, so yes. they have to. They're not going to sign all of them. No. So it's a it's a matter of who they, and Jalen Hurts, to his credit, proved that he is a legit, yeah, elite quarterback in the Absolutely. National Football League after that performance. That was, you know, he easily could have been the MVP. Like it was, he was fantastic. It was a, it was a really great game. Yeah, it really was. It was uh, it was entertaining. Uh, it was one of those games that when uh, Philadelphia started marching in the first half, I thought, "Oh, this could be this could be rough for Kansas City." But then Kansas City went touchdown, 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 field goal in the second half and uh, never punted once. So, are they a dynasty? Uh, I, I could say I, I would say it's fair in you know in this salary cap era to, to label them a dynasty. Like everybody thinks it's easy to get to the Super Bowl. It's not no. like it's, it's such a difficult thing to do. And the fact that they've been to five consecutive championship games, Andy Reed's been five in Philadelphia and five in Kansas city, mm-hmm. you know, uh, now he had to win to, to get, you know, the label of, he couldn't win the big one office, you know, which he yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, this cemented his legacy. There's no doubt about it. And, and I think propelled Patrick Mahomes into that elite level yep. all time. Yeah. It's just a matter of where it's going to end up. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm just texting Buffalo right now. Buffalo, is it easy to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Well, I feel, I, do I feel sorry for Buffalo. I, you know, as much as I uh, was cheering for them and thinking, you know, that it, it would, it would be the ultimate, I wouldn't say Cinderella story, it would, but it would be like a a feel good story, a great feel good story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. just absolutely. after everything they went through. Sure, I mean the city itself has gone through trauma this past year, uh, trauma after trauma after trauma, and yeah. Have- but it also shows too, though, you only have a, a small. Everybody thinks they have a really big window. There's not a big window. No, Kansas City's made it work because they've to to a lot of the players' credit they have looked at the team and sort of structured contracts mm-hmm. and made it viable that they can keep a lot of their elite players together. And they had to make a very difficult choice on Tyree Kill. Yeah. They made that choice and look where it got them. Yeah. And now 
you know, they have room where they can add more receivers, but even the ones that stepped up in the Super Bowl, you know, you know, they made some trades. They like it just everything they touch seemed to work this year. Which having you know, Travis Kelsey doesn't hurt either. Well, it does help. And you got Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. So yeah. but their defense was great. Yes, yes, they were. They played really well in the yep. playoffs. Yep. And a lot of people weren't sure if they would. And uh, they held their own. They were fantastic. A healthy offensive line helps too. Absolutely. We lost a few people in the last uh, week and a half or so. Tim McCarver passed away. Uh, Conrad Dobler passed away. And if anybody doesn't know who Conrad Dobler is, uh, just Google him and Google dirtiest player in the NFL. (laughs) And there was a Sports Illustrated cover that had Conrad Dobler on it. And at the top had the banner, dirtiest player in the NFL. And uh, it was I, I, you can go back and read that. The SI Vault has the, the article, and it's great. Uh, check it out. Dobler, uh, an interesting character. Uh, he and his, and his uh, wife have both, uh, or both had uh, health issues, though, as they got older and uh, had to go into serious debt uh, over them which is a shame, but, uh, you know, Conrad Dobler, an interesting character and Raquel Welch. I wanted to include Raquel Welch because she was a cultural icon for decades. Uh, and, uh, we'll talk about her at, at the end, I guess, of all this, but t- talk about Tim McCarver. Well, Tim McCarver to me was, you know, we always talk about this. We're, we're losing the voices of our youth. Yeah. And yeah. Tim McCarver, I believe called 23 world series. You know, Al Michaels was on with Dan Patrick. You and I were talking about this before we went on the air. And just, you know, it was a transition actually for ABC because they were sort of getting away from Howard Cosell. Mm. And, and you know, he was having a lot of issues with his co-workers at ABC. He wrote a book that sort of lambasted everybody. It, yeah. it made for a very tense situation. Al Michaels was trying to keep the peace. Um, you know, and, and that was sort of the creation of a three-man booth Yes, in baseball, um, you know, and Jim Palmer and Tim McCarver and Al Michaels, uh, you know, did the game of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about his broadcasting career first, but he was an elite catcher yep. catching Bob Gibson, you know, in the World Series and, and just – during the glory years of the Cardinals and Gibson, you know, Tim McCarver was, he was the brains behind the plate and was an excellent catcher. He was. Which actually transcended into his broadcasting because, you know, there have been clips this week where, you know, he was sort of the Tony Romo of baseball where <laughs> he was sort of speculating on what could happen and that did. You but know, it shows, and, it goes to show you too, how the catchers are like the brains of the whole defensive team. But, yeah. uh, uh, well, it, and he was sort of the, you know, we always think of the, the, the Bob Eukers of the world, you know, who was the cat, you know, hmm. a catcher, uh, actually was a catcher. I yes, think he with was, yeah, he was. in St. Louis, right. Yeah. You know, whereas he was the jokester, you know, McCarver was more serious, but, there wasn't a bad thing said about him. Like it was, it was great hearing the stories about him, just even things you didn't really know behind the scenes. Yeah. How he helped, 
you know, like it was a, it was a difficult transition for him with, with uh, Jack Buck at CBS mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And they were, they, they, they weren't the greatest broadcasts and, and everybody sort of acknowledged that, but then had to work with Joe Buck, you know, and yes. was, you know, as Joe said this week, just how much he helped him because Joe Buck was what, 27? Yes. He was a kid. Doing national baseball games and, you know, McCarver, uh, helped him along with that and didn't really take the the spotlight away from Joe that allowed him to sort of let's be on own become a real prominent voice in American sports Tim McCarver you know sort of helped him along with that 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 interview that you were talking about with Dan Patrick and, and Al Michaels Patrick asked Al Michaels did you have to kind of step back because uh Tim was so smart or, or how did it work? Because, and, and Michaels gave a great explanation of how that kind of booth dynamic works in that he would, he was naturally a kind of guy who would kind of insert his strategy or what he thought his strategy was going to be. And then he asked McCarver, do you mind if I do that? And McCarver said, no, I don't mind because then it lets me delve into even more complex stuff. And we can talk about other things that were, that could be happening on the play as well. And I thought that was really an interesting little explanation of how the, the dynamic can be between two broadcasters and how it can affect the, the way that everything comes out. Absolutely. And the other thing is, too, uh, when you're working with different broadcast partners, you know, they all have different styles and, and you know, you have to adjust uh, to those styles. And it sounded like McCarver was just he was just an all around really great analyst supporting you know uh the play-by-play man like like he knew exactly what he needed to do and uh you know he had i it, it was he was he was our the voice of baseball for us uh on a lot of those national games for many years a lot of people were pointing to the the incident with Dion sanders in after the uh the world series and uh yeah. you know how he, he got mccarvered uh, and, and that's a term where, you know, I got McCarvered after the Ottawa Lynx won the International League. I was in the clubhouse doing interviews and, you know, I got I got McCarvered by, by a couple of players who poured beer and champagne all over me. But I had changed out of my suit and put on the, the TV station blazer and my jeans so that I, I could just throw everything in the laundry if I wanted But did to. you wear goggles? I did not wear goggles. That, they, that wasn't you- a thing then. Did you bring ski? You could have been a trendsetter <laughs> by wearing the ski goggles. 1995, that wasn't a thing yet, but uh, it became a thing later on. I, I did have hair then, though, and I, I, poured, I pulled it all back, and I had a mustache at that time, too. So I pulled all my hair back, and my brother told me that I looked like uh, Mike Keenan getting ready to pull a goalie. <laughs> uh, but let's move on. Let's talk. Tell me what you know about Conrad Dobler. Well, I know he was part of one of the uh, most fearsome offensive lines in football. He was in the seventies. Him and Dan Deardorff yes. anchored uh, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Jim Hart, I believe, was the quarterback. Don Coryell, I believe, was the head coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, for a time there. And uh, he, he, uh, let's put it this way. He may not have been on the top of many Christmas card lists. <laughs> no, I don't wasn't. think he received many Christmas cards outside of his own team. 
there was a period of time though in the in the mid 70s 75 76 77 when conrad dobler was an all pro and you're right he and deerdorf together put the fear of god into a lot of defensive players just with the things they were t- they were uh, possibly going to do uh, you know grabbing uh pinching uh groin stuff you know anything that uh that could be done they would they would do it well it it became uh he became so known as a dirty, dirty player that they would actually parody it in the Miller Lite commercials. Those epic ones, you know, essentially uh, he would he would sort of fight with fans in the commercials, and and you know they throw Miller Lights at him. Sort <laughs> That's of thing. right. So yeah, no, he was he was he was uh, he had many conflicts on the football field as you would suspect when you're an offensive lineman, you know, you're in the trenches and uh, you're pounding on guys. Yeah. Or you're getting pounded on too. Well, exactly. And you, you know, you have your rivalries and, and a lot of players didn't change teams in those days. You're right. So you would build up these huge rivalries, personal uh, and team rivalries in the seventies. So you really didn't like a lot of the guys you were facing. Uh, because you'd see them two or three times a year. You're absolutely right. And and uh, with the advent of free agency, it's changed a lot of things in football. It's changed a lot of things in all sports, actually, in terms of those kind of that hatred, that 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 antipathy that that just made people just shake with anger. He was an ass. He, he was. He was a really tough SOB. And yeah. maybe because of that, uh, maybe that's why, because you know, you always heard about Dan Deerdorf and how yes. obviously he turned it into a great media career. He's another amazing analyst, I always thought. Yeah. But Dobler, he, his reputation sort of carried through, you know, his life. Uh, but he did some good stuff too. Uh, you were saying about his wife had a, yes. you know. Uh, she fell a, out of a cot and yeah. became a paraplegic. And Which is he, just. He looked after her. And yeah. he had health issues as well. Um, and uh, the two of them went into terrible debt because of, because of their health issues uh, yeah. near the end of, of their lives. Yeah. No, it's, it's a bittersweet, uh, I would say, story for him. Fearsome on the football field, but off the field, he had a lot of, there were a lot of personal tragedies. When you talk to offensive linemen, it seems to me, in my own experience, in my limited experience in in meeting football players and talking to guys, the offensive linemen are the brains of of, uh, of football. They're the guys that are the smartest guys. They're the guys that that uh, they seem to they seem to just have a, a another sense for the game and for life. It's very true. You know, Chris Schultz. Yes, played for the Cowboys, but also the Argonauts for yeah. many years, and. And I got to know him. One of the most fun, intelligent, like philosophical people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, you know, and you hear about that all the time. You know, and and a lot of them now have become really good broadcasters Absolutely. because, you know, just how they they approach the game or they talk about what life is like in the trenches and 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 sort of the blocking schemes. And yep. you have to be really you know, I think a lot of people take that for granted. You know, they have to remember all those plays and, and designs and blocks and uh, patterns and what have you. It's, you know, it's it's not just, it's not just 
backyard football. It's no. very complex, very detailed, and you're right. Usually the most intelligent players on a football team are on the offensive line. You can't have success uh, in the backfield if you don't have a great offensive line. And last year when we saw the Kansas City Chiefs bow out in the uh, AFC championship game, it was because they were playing with their second and third string offensive linemen. Well, exactly. And Buffalo suffered some injuries as well. Yeah. And, you know, it does. It it really affects your team. Well, look at Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, yeah. give them a little bit of an offensive line. And Joe Burrow is like, takes yeah. a team to a Super Bowl. Yep. And goes back to the championship game this year. You know, if they can upgrade that some more, like mm-hmm. look out. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to talk about today, Shawnee, is uh, Raquel Welch. And I, I, the last thing I saw her in, and I'm not, I, I'm not just saying because Raquel Welch, but to me, she was a cultural icon for 50 years, 50, 60 years. Uh, I know that at the beginning uh, of her career in Hollywood, the studios wanted to turn her into a sex symbol. She didn't want to do that. Uh, but unfortunately, she was kind of pushed into that. The last thing I saw her in, was about three or two or three days before she passed away. And it was the season eight finale of Seinfeld, where she played an over-the-top version of herself, a Broadway actress who got fired from a Broadway play because she didn't move her arms when she tap danced. (laughs) And and, uh, uh, people who know Seinfeld, they know the episode. Uh, And at the same time, Elaine, the character Elaine, had a co-worker who didn't move her arms when she walked. And when Elaine said to the coworker, you should move your arms when you walk, the coworker went crazy and, and threatened her and, and uh, made left messages threatening her. And, and when she found some cops, Elaine said to the cops, listen to this, you know, can't we do something about this woman? She's about yay high. And when she walks like this and she wasn't moving her arms when she walked and Raquel Welch was coming down the sidewalk at the same time. And Raquel Welch said, what are you doing? And she said, you're Raquel Welch. You know who the hell I am. Now, what are you doing? She says, I'm not moving my arms when I walk. She says, that's it. You're going down. And she drops her purse. And, and, and the two cops are looking and saying, ooh, cat fight. <laughs> uh, when I heard that uh, she passed, I was thinking, well, there's a generation of men who, uh, <laughs> no, it was. It was like, you know, that was like their first love. Oh, absolutely. And And you always thought, And you think about this with certain people that they never, they never age or they, or you never think of them as aging or, you know, they're never going to age. Like they're always going to be the same forever. Yeah. And, and she was one of those icons that, that you thought, because every time you see her, you're thinking, uh, she's in, she's 80 Wait, she's, I know. That's that when I heard that she passed away and I heard she was 82, I thought, what? But I remember seeing, I remember seeing pictures of her at 75. Oh, wow. And she looked like she was 45. Yeah. Like, like it was crazy and it just stunning. Like, it's like just Tina a, Turner, like Tina Turner, when she showed up at for that concert on her 83rd birthday and she looked yes. great. Yeah. No, it's, 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 you know, but as I say too, these are starting to hit home more and oh. more, you know, the older you get or you're at a certain age and you're realizing like, wow, like even Tim McCarver, like yeah. I knew 
I knew he was getting up there in age, but, you know, the last time you see him, you're thinking, wow, he looks great, you know, whatever. And, and then what, it's five years later or whatever it was and when he called his last game. Yes. But, uh, yeah, no, it hits you more and more for sure. It, it's it's making me realize my age and making me ponder my own mortality as well. Well, I think those type of losses really do. Like yeah. I, you know, especially when they're unexpected. Now, you know, again, as people get older, you're like, wow, they lived a really full, great life. You know, it's it's the other ones that sort of come out of nowhere and you're like, oh my God, like, yeah. You know, I still think about Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. Oh, and I'm I know. Just like, you know, it would have been his 51st birthday uh, recently. And yeah. I was just like, wow, you know, I'm 53. And, uh, and it's, it's crazy. funny because especially with musicians, you don't realize how many other lives they've touched until you realize that they've played with this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. Um, there was a, 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 I think you posted a picture on social media of Glenn Johns, the, uh, the producer and the sound, uh, sound engineer and all of the people that he's, that he's worked with over the yes. past 50 years. It's well, unbelievable. What, it, what freaks you out about that is that if you saw the get back documentary, mm. he was like, he was the producer. Yeah. So you always saw the younger version of him. Yeah. And that's what, you know, when you see stuff like that, that was 50 years ago. And just how young and vibrant and, you know, that's why I listen to it. it you know, I joke all the time that I, I'm a, I'm a Casey Kasem, oh. uh, you know, anytime I can hear a show, I'll listen to it, uh, no matter what the, uh, the format is, because of the stories. And I always get a kick out of, well, here's a brand new band out of Boston <laughs> called Aerosmith. Yes. And I'm like. Holy crap, I'm listening to a show from what 75, 76. Yeah. And it's like their first big hit. And uh you know, you just laugh. You just go, Oh my god. It's yeah, like it or yeah, or you listen to a countdown like from fifty years ago. Yes. Like I did today. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this this artist had, you know, this was their first big single, and I'm thinking, they had like ten albums, they had like yeah, you know, twenty singles that were coming at that yes, time yes. and you didn't know it. I was get I always get a kick out of that stuff. Here's a it's band great. that rode the wave of video to their number one hit in nineteen eighty three. Here's Duran Duran and Hungry Like the Wolf. Oh I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and they're doing like their well now they're doing everybody's doing their farewell tours and all this oh, uh, yeah stuff that's happening. But it is m- remarkable and it is just you know, I always feel like wow, I got to live my best life seeing all this stuff. It Absolutely. was great. You know, even Tiger this week at the Genesis, yeah. you know, like you, you watch it again and you know, what Tiger went through, I sort of went through and I'm mm. like, I, I could, I could never imagine doing what he's doing. Like I, you know, cause he had the same leg injury as I did yeah, and, and Alex Smith and, and whatever. And you just go remarkable. Like it's just, yeah. Even the fact that he can make it through four days of a Well, I was going to say walking 72 holes. Like, nobody knows how difficult. Like, people take that stuff for granted. Yes. I guarantee it. And to watch him play reasonably well mm-hmm. and, uh, 
you know, he's been off for so long and you're just like, I don't know how this guy's doing it. Like he's a machine. He is. Now he's got the money to have the greatest therapists and, uh, you know, medical team to support mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. But still it's like, it's, it's amazing to see someone persevere like that. Yeah. Like it, it really is. I don't care if he wins another tournament again, again, no. It doesn't matter. Like well, I've told this story before about sitting in the diner in in Pickering, uh, watching the Masters with Masters. the owner with the owner of the of the thing, yeah. and my son and I are sitting there, and and that was uh, Tiger's last Masters win, and it was just amazing to watch. Because nobody ever thought that he would win it exactly. win again. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then he has the accident. Like yeah. that's like it's it's just uh it's it's remarkable. Uh, to see what he's done yeah. and what I actually like just when I hear him talk he's at peace with everything like he knows he's not stupid he he knows he may never win another tournament again like this is in a way this is for his kids and this mm -hmm. is more for for him the fact that he could do it and pull it off yeah but he's also realistic whereas everybody else are losing their you know what thinking oh well, he's going to, you know, if he pulls this type of work in and he, they, people have no clue of what no. he's been through nope. and, and what he still has to go through every day just to get to this level to play in one tournament. Shawnee, you know? that is the perfect way to end this edition of the Sports Lunatics. Folks, you've been listening to the Sports Lunatics. I'm Howie Mooney in Barrie, Ontario. And I'm Sean Levine in Halifax, Nova Scotia. You uh, can find us... Uh, on 212 different platforms we're brought to you by the fired up network find us on facebook as well folks it's always better when you're here have a great sports day <laughs>